Come on. Welcome to Money Savage, a savage approach to personal finance. This is George Grumbacher, and the time is right. Welcome to today's guest, strong and powerful Ted Prince. Ted, are you ready to do this? I'm ready to roll. Excellent. Let's do this. Ted is a PhD. He is the founder and CEO of the Perth, the Perth Leadership Institute. He's the author of three books, The Architect of the Perth Leadership Outcome Model. He is a speaker, a leadership consultant and facilitator, amongst many other things. I'm excited to have you on. Ted, tell us a little bit about your personal life, some more about your work, and why you do what you do. Uh, personal life, well, I'm married, three kids. Uh, I'm a runner. Um, I'm a reader and a writer. Is that personal? I guess it is. I guess <laughs> I shouldn't say not too much information, right? But uh, I'm I'm pretty engaged. I'm pretty engaged. Uh, I'm a, a great uh, missionary for getting people running. I'm uh, big into exercise. I think it's an important thing. And uh, so, if there's any of your listeners who are into running, uh, way to go! Right. <laughs> Excellent. So fill in any gaps, and I'm sure that there are a million, um, but when somebody asks you what you do, how, how do you usually answer them? Well, I tell them I've got a, a company, and what we, we, we do something different, and uh, what we do is different is um, we have assessments um, which assess whether or not people are going to make money. Um, and they don't exist. You know, there's a million leadership assessments out there, but what they all do, and I'm not knocking it, they do a good job at it, they basically tell you um, uh, quite a bit about your social skills and whether or not you'll be a good leader. But actually, uh, what I tell people is I don't really care whether or not you're going to be a good leader or not. What I care about is are you going to make money, right? Yeah. And, you know, I, I ran companies for uh, over 25 years. Uh, one was a public company. Uh, it was a NASDAQ company. I was chairman and CEO. And I, I tell people, you know, uh, I, I'd go on uh, conferences and con you know, the, the earnings calls and the like. And the people who asked me questions never asked me whether or not I was a good leader. What they wanted to know was how much money was I making and what was the stock. Right. Right. And, you know, I used to get uh, when I uh, ran the public company in particular, I used to get a lot of consultants coming to me and they would say to me, Ted, um, would you like us to do some leadership training for you? And I would always ask them, is it going to make my stock price increase? And they would say, no. And so I'm sorry, I'm not interested. My shareholders want the stock to go up. Now, of course, they don't want me to be a bad leader, but, you know, the widows and orphans are invested in my stock. It's got to go up, otherwise they're wasting their time. And, you know, I ran, I got into this because I was on boards for many, many years. And, you know, when you're on a board, uh, one of your big jobs is hiring CEOs and firing them, right? And I was on a lot of boards. I, maybe I was uh, very bad at it, I don't know, but... I'd be on boards and we'd, we'd hire CEOs and, uh, you know, when you got them, you'd think they were Muhammad Ali or whatever, right? Uh, you'd always think they were 
fantastic. And then a year later, so many times, you'd end up firing them, right? Sure. And, 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 and you know, you, you come in like a, a lion and go out like a lamb. And I, I, I always, you know, when I did that, for years, I wondered, you know, I'm on a board. These are all bright people. They've been through many CEOs. How come we're so lousy at hiring CEOs, right? Are they terrible leaders? And when I thought about this many years later when I developed all these assessments, what I realized is the CEOs we were hiring were generally pretty good leaders, right? They're often charismatic. They were strong. They were articulate. They were ambitious, blah, 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 right? <laughs> uh, there were all those things. And I, I would wonder, well, why did we fire them? And the reason we fired them was they wouldn't, weren't making money. And what I see in the investing world is people confuse, are very confused. They think, well, he's a leader, so he must make money. But there's no correspondence between being a good leader, a good leader and making money. You can, be a, a, you can be a really good leader and never make money, which happens often. And you can be a really bad leader and make tons of money. That happens too, right? Uh, you, you've got to figure out what you're trying to achieve. You know, for, for the leaders, what do you want to invest in, right? Um, and most people have got that wrong. It's because the press, you know, writes a good story about someone who is a charismatic leader, right? And, and uh, you know, they, they don't look at the making money part. That's a different thing. So anyway, to cut a long story short, I decided that I would get into this and uh, develop assessments that assessed whether or not people were going to make money. And it wasn't based on their prior history and making money because often people don't have that prior history or if they do, they lie about it, right? <laughs> what it was based on was their behavior. And that's, what we're, that's where we're different. We're the only people in the world that have an assessment that assesses and, and evaluates whether or not your psychometrics are such that you're going to make money or lose it. And the truth of the matter is most people will lose money, right? If that weren't the case, we wouldn't be talking. You wouldn't be talking to me. I wouldn't be talking to you because you'd be in the south of France on your private jet right and 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 um you're sunning yourself right with your billions and i would be there with you in the south of france right on my private jet too right <clears throat> maybe we would uh, have jet pooled but that's that's kind of beside the point all right that, so that sounds like a very <laughs> cheap thing to do right if we've made that much money yeah that, that's that, that's that's a good point it's <laughs> a good point all right so so if 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 you could share what what are some of those behaviors or kind of the key drivers that that, that you look to? Um, well, first of all, you know, I I, I, sh I should be telling you if I tell you that I got to kill you. Sure, right. right. Um, but there's an easy way. Before I get into any of the gory details, I've I've written uh, three books. Uh, each of them have also. For those who speak Chinese, been translated into Chinese, but I, I don't know how many listeners you've got who are Chinese. But anyway, um, go onto Amazon, look up my name, and you'll find three books. And if you read them, they'll they'll give you all the gory details, right? Um, but uh, cut a long story short, we uh, again without going 
for the moment are the details. We leverage some of the findings from um, uh, new disciplines, and the new disciplines are behavioral economics and behavioral finance. And for those of your readers who haven't heard about that or don't know much about it, uh, they should know that uh, the Nobel Committee has awarded Nobel Prizes in behavioral economics starting in uh, 2002. So it's a respectable, credible discipline. And basically what behavioral economics and behavioral finance say is that most of the decisions we make in finance are not rational, right? Um, the fact of the matter is that traditional economics say that we're all rational, but we all know that we're not, right? And it's only been comparatively recently that uh, people have started working on this issue. You know, what happens about making money if I'm not rational, right? Um, and, of course, it doesn't matter if you've got an MBA or you're schooled in economics. That makes no difference because we're talking about a behavioral thing. We're talking about business acumen, right? We're not talking about education, we can show you from the data we have from our own assessments that in general, the more education you have, uh, the lower your business acumen. And that, that is most pronounced um, if you've got a PhD, which I have, I'm sorry to say. <laughs> um, and if you've got a PhD or an MBA, you're much more likely to lose money uh, than you are to make it, <laughs> right? Uh, which is counterintuitive, but a lot of people know that, right? Uh, which is why a lot of our founders um, never got any education. Witness Bill Gates or uh, uh, Mark Zuckerberg, right? Um, so we, we know that you don't need education to make money. And that often it can get in your way, right? Uh, well, the b behaviors. What are the behaviors? There's, there's really a, a couple of... Uh, cognitive biases, right? And cognitive biases are things which are unconscious that systematically skew our decision-making. And one of those is what we call the uh, status quo bias. And the status quo bias, uh, basically, um, the higher your bias of the status quo, it means the less you like change, right? And most people don't like a lot of change. You might think they do, but they don't. Um, but it's the people who've got a low status quo bias, are very open to change, who do all these wacko crazy things like Elon Musk. And when they do that, they, they come out with these products which are different and therefore they command the price premium, right? The high value adding. Um, and, and therefore you can make money on that, right? So that's a, a very, we, we call that the status quo bias. We call it the value adding driver. And we can measure that psychometrically. And uh, intelligence has nothing to do with it, by the by. Um, it, you can be very highly intelligent and have a very high status quo preference. Um, so but it's very important to measure that. And, you know, it's, it's also pointless to ask people about it because uh, very few people have got an accurate fix on their own status quo bias. You know, they, we, we're all... We all, including myself, um, we all fool ourselves, right? Sure. Because it's it's nice, right? We we want to be comfortable. So that's one of the two biases we measure that, and the other um, bias, cognitive bias, we measure, 
Uh, and so the reason I talk about cognitive biases is they're very important in behavioral economics and behavioral finance. And the basic idea is the reason we're so irrational in making decisions is we all have these cognitive biases. We don't know anything about We don't know we have them. They're all unconscious. We all think we're brilliant, uh, but we're not. And we all fool ourselves into thinking that we are, right? So, so anyway, status quo bias is one thing. Uh, the other one is what we call the illusion of control bias. And the, the illusion of control is another bias where we think we have more control than we actually do over events. And where you particularly see this bias occurring is uh, spending money, right? So you, you get a lot of people who are very extravagant, but you don't have to be extravagant, of course. They, they may just spend too much money in the circumstances. And the reason for that is they have a, a high illusion of control bias that makes people believe that they have a lot of resources and they use them, they're smart enough to know, to use them in a way that will create more profit, right? So we measure that one too. And those are the two, there are a lot of cognitive biases out there and I think the modern behavioral economics and behavioral finance uh, distinguish probably between well over a hundred of them. But we distill those down to those two biases and uh, we measure them. And to find out more, you'd need to read the books. They'll give you the, the whole um, box and dice, but it shows you how we put them together to figure out whether or not you're going to make money. And uh, here's a little secret. Of all the people we test, if we test people at random, 12% uh, of people are going to make money, right? 88% uh, will either break even or lose money. Um, and we, it doesn't matter whether you're um, uh, a CEO or the office idiot, right? Uh, the numbers will come out the same, right? Got it. And, and, and that's not to be, that's to be, you know, not to be surprised at. There's not many Warren Buffetts out there, right? So when you say that 12% of people are, are going to make money, in the context of this conversation, does that mean that 12% that of people are going to help their organizations to to do better than they're currently doing? Uh, that's, that's where we mainly use it. Actually, it applies to you in your personal life or your professional life. But since most people, you know, don't have their own business, um, let's just uh, refer to that you, you're an employee. Okay. Um, it means that 12% of people in an organization uh, have the behaviors that will lead them to improve the wealth creation of that company. And the other 80% will not. And you, you've got to be very careful about what you're talking about here, right? Because most people, you know, I, I get a lot of people say, Ted, you know, I'm a doctor, I make a lot of money. But that's not creating wealth. That's getting income, right? right. It's not creating jobs, right? Um, so you, you've got to be very careful about what you're talking. We define what we do when I, I tell you that what we do is we assess whether or not people are going to make money. To be, be a bit more scientific about it for a moment, how we actually define it is your behavioral propensity to create capital. That's what we're actually measuring. Do you have a behavioral propensity to create capital or to consume it, right? Now, most people will consume it. 12% uh, will create it. Um, 
And, you know, you could, for example, be a, a muckety-muck big VP or senior guy in a large organization and you're making a lot of money, but that doesn't mean you're creating wealth, right? It just means you're lucky, you happen to land in the right place, they're paying you a lot of money. Um, but that has absolutely no correspondence uh, with whether or not you're doing things in the organization which will help it create wealth. It's a long discussion, but you, you probably get the idea. And the idea behind this is that uh, most people who go into large organizations in particular, and it applies to small ones, but into large organizations, they didn't found the company, right? Their, their role, if you're a senior executive in a large company, um, basically what you did is you, you hopped on a speeding bus, you made your way up to the steering wheel, and your job is to keep the bus between the, the yellow lines and make sure it doesn't crash, right? But you didn't create the bus, you didn't buy the gas, um, you didn't create the bus line, right? You're keeping the, the bus between the yellow lines, but the founder is probably dead by now. He was the guy who did all that, you see what I mean? Now that's not to say that there aren't people who do all that, and they do, 12% of people will go out in a large organization, or for that matter, a small organization, where they found that themselves, 12% of them, will go out and create real wealth, right? And the, the, once you understand these behaviors I talked to you about, we have other assessments, by the by, we can tell you uh, what behaviors you need to modify, adjust, so that you can make money. Got it. All right. So it's not something that this is the way I am. It can be. It can be changed, and I and I I can improve upon those biases that I have. You can, and uh, you know, as the good news is, it's not written in stone. The bad news is, it is dependent on a certain amount of mental agility, right? Um, and if you don't have that mental agility, then you might not be able to change, right? In other words, you might be highly intelligent but rigid. And when it comes to it, and I tell you, look, you're hopeless in this area, you need to change. You say, oh, no, I'm not. You get defensive, right. and, and then it's all over. Right? Sure. But uh, the fact of the matter is the behaviors, we've cataloged them all. We measure those behaviors as well, and we can show you what you've got to change in order to make money. Um, and, and people who are agile uh, get it pretty quickly, and they know how to do it, and that's – uh, what the business of my company is based on, uh, assessing people, not just people, by the by. We, most of the work we do is with teams, uh, leadership teams or management teams, right? So we'll assess all the um, people in a management or a leadership team and we'll tell them that maybe two of you are going to make money, the rest are going to lose, the team itself is not doing well, you're going to lose money. It might look as if you're making money, but maybe you're doing it because you're underspending on things like R&D and customer support. You're cheating, right? Which is a, a, a very common way of trying to beat the odds, right? You just cheat and underspend on things which will doom the business five years later. Got it. Well, Ted, Savage Nation is ready for your difference-making tip. What do you have for them? Uh, well, uh, know yourself. If you want to make money, you're going into a company doing anything, know yourself, know your behaviors, and don't assume that because you're educated, it's going to make any difference.
know yourself, become aware of uh, how much business acumen you possess or don't possess. Well, that is great stuff. That definitely gets it. Come on. Come on. Ted, thank you so much for coming on. Where can Savage Nation learn more about you? Okay, George. Thanks a lot. Anytime. Yeah. And where where can we track you down? Is there a website? Uh, yeah. It's uh, www. I'll have to spell this out. It's Perth, perthleadership.org. That's spelt P for Peter, E-R-T-H, leadership.org. Perfect. And uh, you can uh, also get me uh, that my uh, email is etedprince, E-T-E-D, prince, as in son of a king, <laughs> at perthleadership.org. Perfect. Well, Savage Nation, if you enjoyed this as much as I did, show Ted your appreciation and share today's show with a friend who also appreciates good ideas, go to perthleadership.org. Check out... Everything we've been talking about today, get a copy of, of one of his three books or a copy of all of them or multiple copies of all of them. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you again, Ted. Okay, George. Thanks a lot. Nice to talk to you. And until next time, keep fighting the good fight because we are all in this together. Before I go, quick announcement. I've been asked by so many people over the past couple of years about how do I start a podcast that I've developed and released a course that will teach you exactly How to do that step-by-step from figuring out the kind of show that you want to have to understanding how all the technology works behind it and then how to get great guests and uh, keep the thing moving and how to grow it. So if you're interested in that, check it out. You can go to georgegrombacher.com forward slash podcast course and you'll find it there. You can just go to the website. I'll also list that in the notes of the show. What's up, Savage Nation? Please support the show by subscribing. Leave us a review. And definitely feel free to share us with somebody you think would like it. Come on.